All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit, it's, 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 it's Fit Nation. As we grow up from being a little kid, we are constantly learning. Many times we are being handed life lessons without even knowing it at all. Our parents tell us things. We just look at them like they're crazy. But they're actually influencing us for things that will happen to us later in life. We are not experts from birth. There are many people that must help us along the way. When our children have children, we are now in a great position to help by molding and teaching the future generation of adults from both our lessons learned as children and our lessons as parents. Our next guest has had, his, had a full life and is even fuller now with three grown children and six grandchildren. He's an author and a mentor. So without further ado, let's get Gramps Jeffrey, author of I Don't Want to Turn Three, on here. All right, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Gramps Jeffrey from Arizona, author and a proud grandpa. How are you? Oh, I'm glad you invited me. Thank you. Uh, thanks for reaching out. And uh, I think it's amazing that you wrote that to you. reached out to me the same day that my three-year-old granddaughter was here. So it just kind of resonated with me uh, worrying about a three-year-old running around the house. So you saw exactly what was in the book. Then. Yes. I've seen her go through her changes from uh, one to two, two to three. And now she's just boss now. So <laughs> that's great. That's great. So tell us a little bit about your uh, backstory, uh, how you got into writing, of course, uh, where you come from and all that stuff. So the audience knows a little more about you. Sure. No, I've, uh, this happens to be my second book. Um, I learned, decided I needed to be writing when I was young took a uh, backpack, 11-week backpack trip through Europe, uh, and I kept a journal. And you know, every day, I mean, a journal just about people and where we were and so forth. You know, and then I stuck it away. And about 10 years later, you know, the friend and I who uh, went backpacking looked at it and said, wow, this really, I didn't realize that I was going to become a writer. <laughs> so I decided, I kept that on hold for a while. Uh, and I, I started an online business, became the uh, largest business-to-business -business site on the internet where we sold case quantity to small businesses all around the world. Uh, and we were helping mom and pop survive and thrive against the chains. So my first book is called The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. And it's a step-by-step -step guide uh, on how to open a business and, and get ahead. So there's 15 different chapters. It's about a chapter on how to hire people, on where to find locations, how to buy products, how to compete and market them both online and, uh, and, and in marketplace. And so that was my first book. And uh, what happened was because uh, it uh, Dollar Day's business evolved and half the business now comes from nonprofit organizations, churches and schools uh, who we help them uh, stretch their dollars so they can help more people. You know, I got very interested in the nonprofit world. Uh, and it happened that uh, Ariana Huffington wrote, read my book and asked me to contribute to the Huffington Post. I don't know if you're familiar with that publication. Yes, sir. Uh, I've written uh, over a hundred articles uh, for the Huffington Post on uh, the homeless, on veterans, uh, a lot of military things that I've written about, and uh, you know, elderly and and so forth. And so, um, then you know, when I retired from uh, working, and uh, the COVID hit, 
And, uh, you know, living in this past year because of the pandemic caused by uh, COVID, you know, in isolation, except for being with my family, you know, gave me a special time to watch and interact with these grandkids. And I got to tell you what a trip that was. You know, all six of these grandkids have completely different personalities. Uh, the one they have thing that they do have in common is their sense of curiosity. Yeah, how excited they get when they do accomplish something. So watching them grow up year to year and how they interact was really the basis for, for this book. Outstanding. And, uh, and just each one of them can be their own book, probably, with the different personalities. But putting them all into one, uh, I don't want to turn three. I mean, that's that's an awesome title. And I love the cover of the book. The basically a pencil drawing colored in. Looks pretty, uh, pretty authenticious for uh, young kids to be uh, on the cover there. And then to talk about Jordan to start it off with and go through the book. It's really good. Yeah, you know, and again, with you just experiencing with your three-year-old, you know, what goes through a toddler's mind parents are so desperate to understand? You know, when, when does a toddler understand the difference between me and us? You know, this, this book explores how a family finds out together. But, you know, when you think about it, it's happening in every family in the world. You know, yes. this transformation between understanding, you know, between me and us. You know, the real question of the book is, you know, at what age do we begin to take responsibility for our actions you know is it three years old is it 13 is it 23 in my generation you know i know guys that are 63 that are just starting to take you know uh, responsibility for their actions <laughs> yeah. you know, so so that's really the heart of the book is is how does a family kind of guide itself to, to do that yeah i mean it's a journey for the whole family especially with the first one the second one, you kind of have a lot of a few lessons learned from the first one you had and try to uh, wave through that minefield for the second one a little easier. You're not as scared with the second one. You don't think it's going to break if you touch it. And then you kind of learn a little more of the parenting school skills as you go along. I know that's what happened with us. And even though I wasn't home a lot when my daughter was small because I was away with the Army, but my wife had to go through it. And I'd come home and be the, I guess, the tornado when I come home because I didn't know what, what was laid down already. And I'd come in and dismiss everything up and we'd go three steps back because of me. <laughs> you know, as a baby boomer myself, I'm trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old. I mean, you know, that's also part of this whole story is how is how's it changed today versus, you know, to people my age, you know, the baby boomers, you know. My parents didn't have cell phones. <laughs> uh, they, they, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. And, you know, <laughs> I'd walk up and change the channel. You know, that, that's so, you know, my parents' definition of discipline is just so different than the parents of today. You know, has today's world made for a better place for children to grow up in? Uh, you know, I'll kind of let your uh, listeners kind of answer that question. And, you know, how are we treating our kids compared to how we were as we were growing? Yeah, so we had a, a way different uh, mindset of parents when I was growing up, especially, uh, like you said, change the channel or even adjust the antenna to get the channel in because there was no cable. There was a crazy antenna on top of the pig, the dog ears, or send us on the roof to actually adjust the big antenna on the roof to make sure we were getting some kind of signal so we can watch the news or whatever at night. And if you didn't do it right, you would keep going up and down. Is the channel good? No, go back up, go all the way back upstairs, do it again until you get it right. So. It was a different world back then. Oh, yeah. I, just think about discipline. Okay? Oh, yeah. Now, you know, 
I was raised by the greatest generation in, in this, this this country. I mean, they're the ones that saved us in World War II. You know, they're the ones that built up this country. That generation, very disciplined generation, and and, uh, and so they they treated their kids a little differently. I mean, my dad, uh, you know. Uh, my mother would say, wait, your dad hears about this. Yeah, he'd come home, pull off his belt, you know, and he chases around the, the, uh, the table, the kitchen table. You know, there was, um, he had, uh, he had also had this uh, fraternity paddle of his and, you know, he would whip that out every once in a while. Well, oh, one wow. night in late fall, we were, uh, my brother Larry and I grew up in Ohio and they were, you know, the, we took his paddle out when they went around and we buried it in the pile of leaves in the backyard you know it snowed the next day and in in the spring the paddle was gone it was like a miracle to me you know the the paddle was gone you know that's a sign that life is going to be good so but you know our kids don't do that now and they shouldn't that's not how we taught them to do it you know they when they discipline i mean i had four of them here for the holiday weekends um you know it, they, they send them the time out you know, that's how they understand, you know, that you're not performing correctly. You're going to go sit in the corner until you get your act together. You know, that's a whole different world of discipline, oh, you know, yes. over the generations. And it's, it's, it's better. I can tell you it's better. Yeah. And I don't think I ever heard the word timeout unless I was playing sports. So when I was young, uh, my mom, uh, she was the disciplinarian until dad got home. Dad, just like yours, was had to click his belt on the block. <laughs> the belt was off before you knew it. It was like Bruce Lee with a belt. And it'd be often chasing one or all three of the boys and then my sister as well. And, and then he had a whistle. He whistled on our porch. If No matter where you were, you'd hear it. He'd blow that whistle. He'd whistle it just in his mouth. And you'd just start running home because you knew one of us were in trouble. We had to get there in time. <laughs> Very true. I guess those are the good old days, right? Yeah. <laughs> but just like, uh, just like you're saying, our, our, the, the generation that we have produced is they have evolved. We evolved too. We knew that we had to make it better for our kids and we changed the way we parented a little bit. And of course we were helped with technology as it came into play during uh, about halfway through my daughter's young ages. I guess that's when cell phones and all that stuff blew up and everyone had to have one. Uh, she finally got one when we were living in Korea. She got a cell phone. She actually had three because she lost them all the time. So she'd get one, lose one, get one, lose one. Then we came home with them and you get to the States, you have to have a cell phone. So we got it on here. And you can see the leash just get harder and harder to get away from at that point. I can tell you that, in my opinion, this newest generation of kids coming up are just so much smarter than these other generations. I mean, you know, we as baby boomers think we're pretty smart, but I tell you, these these young ones that are two, three, four, five, ten, they are just so much smarter than we are. And I think that part of that is because they got into electronics so young. Yes. They, they got on the iPads. And they, they were able to learn in different ways. You know, you, you ask Alexa questions, she'll tell you the answer right away. <laughs> <laughs> in our time, we had to go to the library. So, <laughs> you know, the, this is a very smart generation coming along. And it's up to us to, to, to educate them and give them, give them as much as we possibly can. You know, it, one thing we always have to keep in mind is it's necessary for us to teach our children how to think, not what to think, you know, let them inform their own opinions, but we have got to give them the guidelines of how to think through things. And that's why, you know, reading books and, and is just so important for re us as parents and grandparents to do to our kids. And when you think about it, 
and you know mine's there's a hundred books that are just you know, as good as mine out there uh, on different topics and things that the way you can read your kids books but yeah the, the 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 whole thing of reading books is just so important to to children for several reasons you know one reason is as a grandparent who may or may not see your kids that often your grandkids it, it creates a bonding experience so you know you let your kid go out and pick up one of the books that they have bring it in and you sit down with them and you actually read a book with them it's a bonding experience for grandparents you know especially but also parents of course you know it, it supports listening skills. You know, I think you and I have learned as we grow older, listening skills is the most important skill we're going to have. Because, you know, if we can listen in, and to everyone else and put it together and form our own opinions, you know, that is how we grow. So it's important for us to read to these kids, to, for them to learn the listening skills, you know, because it requires them to listen to what's going on. You know, it also at that age, and I'm looking at two, three, four-year-olds, uh, you know, the cognitive and language development, uh, they learn new words, they can ask you what these words are, you can teach them words, but it gives you a, a format right there in a book, sitting and bonding together to, 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 to teach them to do this cognitive language and learn new things. And, and, and another reason is, you know, attention span. Little kids can have attention spans for two or three minutes, but if you sit down with an interesting book that they picked out um, and that you can get them involved in, and yeah, and so that's why it's so important for your generation and my generation, you know, just to, to read to kids uh, so that they can just get better and use the technology they're using on their iPhones and so forth and combine that. And I'm telling you, these guys, they're going to be so smart. Yeah, I was going to bring up a, with, with the technology along with the reading, show them that you're, I guess the good word would be hip on their on their technology because we didn't have this technology growing up. But in order to stay up with them, you have to stay up with technology in order to, to be understand what they're saying or understand what they're actually going through, learning the, the Mac, learning the, the smartphone, and then also reading to them about other things. My granddaughter, she comes to our reader from the Jeep magazine because I have a Jeep. So I read her that and show her all the parts of the Jeep on the Jeep magazine. She just loves that because of the monster truck all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's my way of helping her out <laughs> oh i've got a g what magazine is that it's um extreme terrain oh really yeah. okay yeah because i could do the same thing with my kids because they yeah, love my loves, and they yeah, have the they pictures of everything in there it's beautiful <laughs> yeah they they think that, that my jeep is the best car that they've been in <laughs> so <laughs> so that's great yeah i'm, I'm gonna take advantage of that that's a that's a good idea yeah. but you know talking about technology my six-year-old grandson levi um for some reason, he got involved with Minecraft. I don't know if you know, but it's it's his yes. game. I mean, this kid is obsessed with Minecraft. Okay, so you kind of wonder, okay, is it good or bad? Well, he can't wait till his dad gets home at night so the two of them can play Minecraft together. Right? Oh, wow! Yeah, you know, that's that's the same thing as learning how to kick the ball together, or bat to bat together. You know, so technology can work in the right way, and I, I can see it. You know, you start talking about Minecraft, they just bounce off each other. It just gives them a common goal. So, yes, I encourage everyone to, to, to keep, you know, more, not more than a couple of three hours a day, but, you know, get them into electronics so they can jump on these things. And I think Minecraft is a good example because I think if, if they're really good with Minecraft, it helps them with designing stuff. It helps their imagination to build things. Build, I know they can build castles and stuff on there. But they can also draw the plans for a house and draw everything they want to make the whole fort themselves on their on their game itself. So it helps them build that cognitive knowledge as well 
with that game is, and it's a game that was reborn because it was out, I think in the eighties and now has come back to popularity now. Yeah. You know, and, and going and taking that thought and, but putting it back into, to, to reading to children and reading the books, you know, again, asking questions is really what it expands their mind. You know, if, if you have your child go out and pick out a book and, and bring it back and you sit down with them, you know, first thing you should do to them is before you even open up the book is what do you think will happen in this book? Okay, that way, you know, they're looking at the cover, they say, what do you think will happen? It starts to get their mind going. Then, then while you're reading the book to them, you know, and, and who, are the, who are the characters in this book? You know, where is the setting? Can you relate to the characters? Can you relate to the setting? Is it someplace in your neighborhood or is it fantasy? It helps them to keep thinking about things like that. Um, and, and ask them, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? Because again, with them watching television and their, their books and so forth, is there anything that really sounds familiar to you? And then always, always, all of us, whether grandparents or parents, when you're done with the book, you know, you look at your kid and you say, what was your favorite part of the book? Again, we got to get them to think. Let them think these thoughts. It's because once they start thinking, they can play off of you. And it's a lot of fun. Definitely. And we took our, there's a walking trail here not far from our house. It's about a, about a mile and a half loop, basically. And a Eagle Scout, as part of his project, put a, a children's book throughout the walking trail. So you can read the whole book with your child as you go through it. So we took our granddaughter through that. It's, I think it's called Good Night, uh, Good Night Dragon or something. Dragon good night, but you walk through and read the whole story. You say, What's gonna think now? What do you think is gonna happen now with this picture? And then you read it to her, ah. And then at the end, what do you think about that? I like the dragons. So it's, it, I mean, it's, a, it's amazing watching your little minds go. What a great way to combine hiking and education. Yes. I mean, I took, we, we, we got a mountain near my house. So we, I, took the, I took four of the kids on it uh, Thursday. Yeah, and uh, it's the first time. The two of them have ever been on a mountain. Oh, wow. And, you know, it was a, you know, a, a, a not too hard, but it was going up the mountain on the trail. It was like, this was the highlight of their life. <laughs> and they kept looking down. Everything looked so small. Right. Uh, if, you know, so, yeah, if you can get your kids out and hiking, uh, it's just all those experiences add up. And, you know, and I, I'm sure you and I both can say you have great memories of certain things when you were two, three, four, six years old. And then you have something you don't like. Yeah. They stick with you both ways, both good and bad. They definitely do. They all they all stick with you no matter what, like you said, good or bad, even the indifferent ones. They, all these memories pop up now, especially since I started doing the podcast and talking to other people, listening to their experiences. I get all these flashbacks to when I was a kid and things that we did. And then, of course, flashbacks to my time in service and how I felt like I was raising other kids at that point and, and learning, my, learning my way through that before I had to get an adult job when I retired. So... It was a, it's a, it's a good journey to go through memory lane and remember all the things that you learned as a child and through your young adulthood. Yeah, you, know, you know, let me address your grandparents who may be uh, listening to this right now. You know, we as grandparents have got to get involved in the lives of these kids. <clears throat> you know, in, in my particular case, I've got two grandkids that live here in town with me. I got two in Austin, Texas, and I got two in Orlando, Florida. They're all over the place. You know, and uh, uh, when COVID hit, you know, we had very trouble seeing each other. So you've got to find an interest that your grandkids really are into. Now, my kids, and I think it's pretty much universal, they love dinosaurs. 
Yes. And I don't know why they love dinosaurs, but they're two, three, four, five, even a six-year-old loves dinosaurs. And, you know, <clears throat> they, they can tell me the names of all these dinosaurs. They can tell me whether they eat meat or if they're fish. You know, <laughs> I, I can only tell you they're small, medium, and large. They, they can tell me everything. So in my particular case, what we did to try to keep connected with our kids in Texas and in Florida is knowing that they love dinosaurs. We took half a dozen of our little dinosaurs around the house and every night we put them someplace different in the house and we, they'd be doing something. So for instance, you know, we had them in the refrigerator eating blueberries. We had them at the sink with grandma washing the dishes with the soap on their nose. We had them at the piano playing the piano. We had them walking up steps. Anyway, we had 50 different adventures, 50 different nights. And what happened with the grandkids because again, it's up to us to stay in touch with them. They're not gonna call you all the time. Uh, is that every night they started calling us. They would call on my wife's uh, iPhone for FaceTime. And uh, you know, they would say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? We gotta find out what the dinosaurs are doing tonight. You know? And so every night we would do this. And uh, that during the, the COVID year, I mean, that kept us in touch with these kids. It helped the bonding that we had. It was something that they were interested in. You know, so we just kind of took advantage of it. I urge everyone in your audience to think about what these little kids, what's their interest and in, what can you do to relate to them? Because again, you know, you're not, you're going to be the one calling them. Very seldom do they call you. And so just keep that in mind. It's, it's, it's something that we have to do because, you know, as, as, grandparents, you know, first of all, you only have 18 years to influence a kid, you know, boom, once they're out of the house, they're on their own. You know, you think you're influencing them, but you can't. It's, it's a whole <laughs> world. So, you know, they're only going to be young once. And for that matter, grandparents are only going to be young once too, you know, at this age. So uh, you, you got to take advantage of that, you know, because uh, the, the, the future is unpredictable. I mean, we all know you could be here today and gone tomorrow. Um, so you've got to take advantage of, of being around your kids and, and kind of not force the issue, but make sure they know that, that you're around there. You know, you've got to become part of a routine. You know, if you're, if you live in the same neighborhood, great. I mean, when I was growing up, my uncle was up the street, my grandma was down yeah. two blocks and I was part of, they were part of my routine. Well, in today's world, that doesn't happen as much. You know, you got family all over the place. So you got to try to become part of the routine. Um, so that you do have an influence, you know, because because that's what grandparents and parents, you know, we need, need to be the mentors to give these kids a path to be on the right, you know, rightness, to do the right thing. You know, and you don't be afraid to initiate. Uh, and, and, and just call the kids, you know, just force yourself to call. Um, and you know, it's got to do that. So that's my advice to any grandparents that are listening. That's good advice. And you're right, it usually is the, the older people that are initiating the call, because you know, most times the kid doesn't know how to use the phone, or they're not going to be, uh, I guess, mindful enough to do that at that time. They might be doing something else. So usually we, we do FaceTime with our granddaughter, and she's usually doing nine different things when she's on there. But she, but she knows we're there, so she she's still showing us what she's doing, playing cars, so she loves cars, or she's you know, making a mess with paint and stuff. So it, it's just being involved in. Like we said earlier, listen, you got to listen to people, listen to hear, and then also be present when you're there with them. When you go out with them, don't have, don't be on the phone unless you're, I mean, you take a picture or whatever, but put the phone down and actually be there. Be, be in the room with them. Don't have your mind somewhere else. Turn off everything else while you're there and try to be a member of the, the party that's going on. 
That's one of the hardest things to do. Yes. I mean, it's great. But that's fabulous advice. If we just think if everybody would listen to that, that would be great. <laughs> It'd be amazing. <laughs> so if you can give advice to an author like a, you, from your business side or endless side, what would be advice that you'd give them to get going? And like you wrote your book on the, the secrets to success in retailing, the success secrets of retailing, how to beat Walmart. And then I don't want to turn three. It's two different genres, of course. What, would, what advice would you give them if they want to write a book or if they've had an itch and maybe like you, you did your journal while you were hiking across Europe? What would they look for as a sign to tell them to write? Well, the, the one thing that you keep in mind <laughs> that when you love, you will teach others to love. So you've got to kind of do that too in your mind. You know if you write early on. It's, it's not something you teach yourself. It's one of those things that you are born with. You know, it's one of the, we all are born to do something different. I mean, uh, you ended up in the military. That's a great, that's a great direction to go into. You know, I, I ended up in retailing. That's a great direction to go into. Uh, but you, this is when, because writing is an art. It's like painting a picture. I can't even draw a straight line, so I can never become a painter. <laughs> Right. But but that that that's what you have to do. And then you got to kind of have a plan. Like for instance, you know, I don't want to turn three is is the first book I'm thinking about now. I don't want to turn four. Yeah, and I don't want to turn five. In fact, my uh, granddaughter who just turned nine, she came to me this weekend. She says, "I've got a great idea for a book. I don't want to turn 10. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you just kind of find your niche and uh, and. and go as far as you can with it and just the one thing that i've always said to myself is you know dance like nobody's watching so write like nobody cares do your thing be your own person you know because in the end it's all going to come out and you know don't, don't if you want to be a writer you know don't let anybody else influence you to tell you no you're no good just do it you know that's that's the best thing to get going and then, you know, you learn a lot from your mistakes. And, and so that's my advice. You definitely, if you have to learn from your mistakes, if you don't, you're just going to stay in the mistake world until someday somebody kicks you and tells you to get up and, and walk the opposite direction. So absolutely right. <laughs> otherwise, the mistakes will eat you up. Uh, of the two books, which one was the most fun to write? Well, because the I Don't Want to Turn Three is a real story. Right. And all the pictures are real pictures. And I sent the pictures of, you know, like the kids in the bathtub. That was a picture of the kids in the bathtub. And then the artist just, you know, made it look uh, like a more fun, more fun uh, kids book. Um, and that was it. Because I see my kids sharing it. You know, for instance, again, I had four of them over uh, this last week. And they stayed at our house. And, you know, the oldest, Olivia, grabbed the book. And she grabbed the other three and uh, she went underneath my desk for some reason. And, and they didn't know I was standing at, uh, on the side there. And she was reading the book to them. And <laughs> Levi says, that's me in the bathtub. And, and, and Jackson says, those are me and my dinosaurs. You know, and, and so just the pleasure of hearing that, you know, these kids really are involved. And then um, last week, Olivia had to bring a, a book to school and dress up as a character of the book. Uh, and so she took, a, she took herself, who was in the book, wearing a red dress, dressed up as herself, 
and took the book in and read it to her class. So you know, <laughs> those are the priceless moments. You just no money can really uh, pay for that. It's like wow, they they really got it. And that, that's a that's a gift that keeps giving for you right there to see all of them be able to share that with the not just amongst themselves but with their friends now too, and then their friends can share with their families. That's an amazing gift, and that has to make that more of the fun side of the book there. I mean, I know on, on, on the retail side, helping one person in their success story, that is joy too. Even if you just, like you said, you write and get it out there, you wrote that book, you didn't know how many people you were going to touch with that book at that point. If one person was successful in their fight against the giants like Walmart, Target, then you were a success at that point because you touched that one person. You already got Oh, yeah, it. I mean... Uh, you know, with the, I, I did a national book signing on uh, the secrets of retailing, how to beat Walmart. And you know, as I was signing books, I just can't tell you how many people says I read this chapter and it worked for me. You're right. It, it's like it's like you can't ask for anything better than that. That that's like that's better than winning an Oscar or whatever, a Grammy, or the book awards. It's better than getting a number one bestseller. That one person saying you did this for me. Hey, yeah. I got it. The exactly. same thing with this podcast. If I if one person listens and hear, hears us two talking about our old times and how we're transitioning into grandparenting and seeing our the grandkids grow up now, and they say, oh, the light bulb was on. I, I need to change up how I'm doing things. That's one person that we help that's good. Yeah, you know, you have to look at grandparents and parents. We have to be the mentors. Uh, we have to be the ones that are giving them ideas to do things. Let them do their own thing, but if you can just influence them a little bit, uh, that's what life's all about. Definitely. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they want to have you have you on their show or just to chat with you? What's the best way? Oh, absolutely. You, know, you can go to my site, GrampsJeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y.com or I don't want to turn three.com or feel free to just uh, email me. It's GrampsJeffrey at gmail.com i'd love to talk to anyone about you know either business or uh, kids you know it's 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 what i love to do we're the business of kids it's good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all coincides at some point but perhaps this was great having you on here and learning about uh your techniques of parenting grandparenting your hike across europe and of course both your books uh good luck to you both of them and uh, i can't wait to see i can't don't want to turn four, five, six, and of course, 10 for Olivia. And uh, we, we can see all that on the bookshelves here in the near future. Great. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. Have a good night. That was an awesome chat with Gramps Jeffrey. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to the importance of mentoring our children and grandchildren. Be sure to check out his book, I Don't Want to Turn Three wherever you like to get your books from. You can also watch this one on our YouTube channel, The Misfit Nation. It's the underscore Misfit Nation. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter and help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that would bring that energy, has a great story, has an awesome product, is helping their community, is helping veteran community. Have them visit us at themisfitnation.com and request to be a guest or send us a message. We will get back to him within one day. So as always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are... (laughs) 
Fit Nation.